Welcome to Coach, the professional coaching podcast. Conversations to explore what coaching is really all about, what it takes to be a great coach, and why coach training really does make the difference. Discover how coaching can help you in all areas of your life and business in a fast-paced and demanding world. So join us here to share conversations and insights with some of the best coaches from around the globe. Real coaches, real talk. So let's get started with me, your host, Teresa Brooks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coach, the professional coaching podcast with me, Teresa Brooks, your host. Um, And today I am joined by, um, well, a very interesting lady, actually, who's going to share a very powerful story with us. Um, And her name is Janine Wirth, and she's a licensed psychotherapist, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a business coach. And you might ask yourself, hmm, how do those three fit together? Um, And this is everything that Janine does really. So first, let me welcome you to the show, Janine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to speak to you today. Good. And um, tell us where you're based, Janine, because this is going to be a very key part of your story, isn't it? Yeah. So I was born and raised in South Africa. But at the moment, I live in Germany. I moved here almost 14 years ago. Okay. So, you know, the reason that we mentioned that, obviously you can tell from Janine's beautiful accent anyway, but the, the, the reason that we mentioned that is because, you know, her story and everything that she is today and the way that she helps other women today all started there, but not in a particularly positive way, of course, at the time. And Janine has been through an awful lot of trauma, which she then overcame. And, and, you know, I've talked to her about her story before, and we wanted to share it before we talk about anything really to do with business, um, because it's always more than business, isn't it, Janine? And of course, your journey sets the scene um, and is, you know, also quite shocking as well. So, you know, lis- listeners beware. Um, it's quite a, a, a graphic description, um, but it's very relevant to where we're going to end up with the conversation. So, Janine, like, if you can just tell us a little bit about how you got where you are today and the story that led you here. Okay. So I like to think that I have a very intimate relationship with trauma because it's been a part of my life since before I was born. So I was born to a mother who experienced trauma in her teenage years. And back then, it was sort of a let's try and ignore it or sweep it under the rug and hopefully it will just go away by itself kind of mentality. So I know firsthand what it's like to be parented by someone who has experienced trauma. And that played out in my own childhood quite dramatically. You know, there was domestic violence in my family, verbal abuse, physical abuse. We moved a lot. So my childhood, I knew, was completely different to that of most of my friends. And I always ask myself, you know, why is it like that? Why is this happening to me specifically? And then on the day that I got my driver's license, um, I was 18 years old because that is the age in South Africa where you can get your driver's license. That very night, I wanted to go out with some friends to a restaurant to celebrate the fact that now I've got this, this milestone, the beginning of freedom and adulthood and all that good stuff. And I never made it to the restaurant because I ended up being hijacked, kidnapped, 
and almost raped at gunpoint. So, you know, during that experience, you know, people always talk about the fight, flight or fear response, you know, like the freeze. Some people just like don't know what to do and can't move. And you never know what's going to happen to you until you're in that sort of situation. And my default setting happens to be fight, which we discovered when my attacker put his gun to my head and said, take off all your clothes. And it's as if that is a moment that, of course, nobody would wish to be in a situation that nobody would wish to be in. And of course, you know, growing up in different parts, in different cultures, places like, unfortunately, that is a reasonably common kind of occurrence, isn't it? In South Africa, that can happen very suddenly out of nowhere. And so it's interesting that you say you grew up with that kind of trauma already. And then, then it's almost like this other layer of trauma was then laying upon that. Can yes. you remember how you felt in that moment? Because obviously, you know, the young girl that's going out to celebrate getting the driving license and your mind's in that space. And, and then suddenly, you know, like an, it's just a horrific situation that I presume happened incredibly quickly. Yes. So um, in that moment, you know, I knew something was coming when he grabbed me by my arm and slung me into him. So I thought, okay, here we go. And I remember thinking in that moment, as I was being dragged up that sand dune, it will probably take them days, if not weeks, to find my body because it was such a dense, secluded place. And when he then put his gun to my head and said, take off all your clothes, in that moment, it's as if something in me just snapped. And I just felt this explosive rage, you know, like I've gone through all of this crap to get to the point where I'm actually now going to be responsible for myself and my own life. And then it starts like this, like, are you kidding me? And I just looked at him and I said to him, you will have to shoot me first. And that completely bewildered him. He was like, I could see, and, he's, and then he was looking down at his accomplice and he's like, well, this is not how it's supposed to go. And in that moment where he was completely disoriented, I started speaking to his accomplice. I said to him, you know, you've already got my cell phone, my purse, take my car, just go. And they started speaking to each other in their own language, which I couldn't understand. But I could then get them to actually go. And a friend was with me while this was happening. And we then managed to get to a road and a fisherman came past and we could get him to stop. He picked us up. And luckily, that friend of mine, um, his brother-in-law, worked for the police and so we could get hold of the police and while all this was going on I thought to myself you know well maybe the guns were fake and you know because they were fairly young you know mid-20s the police had a shootout with them the guns were not fake I did get my car back it was damaged but I did get it back and about a week after that 
because not many people had known what had happened to me. I was sitting in my car uh, waiting in a parking lot. And one of my friends who hadn't heard what had happened to me wanted to play a joke on me. And he crept up on my car and slammed his hand down on my driver window. And I then had a PTSD reaction to that. You know, my heart started racing. It felt like I couldn't breathe. I was just like, what is happening to me? And I then decided to go and seek professional help because at the age of 18, I didn't want to live like that. I wanted to be able to go wherever I wanted to go, to not have this feeling of, okay, the minute I get some sort of fright or if I'm startled, I go, my body responds like this. And it was actually in that first appointment that my therapist said something which changed my whole perspective on this. And he said to me, because obviously he wants to know about my childhood, why I was there, the whole story. And when I finished, he said to me, I believe the resilience you were forced to build up because of your childhood ended up saving your life. And that sort of hit me as a ton of, like a ton of bricks because he explained to me, if I'd had this picture perfect childhood, I probably wouldn't have said you'd have to shoot me first. I would probably have cried, begged, pleaded for my life exactly how they thought it would play out. And he said to me, and if that had gone the usual route, we might not be here having this conversation right now. And that was the first moment of gratitude I had ever felt for everything up to that moment. That's so interesting, isn't it? Because that's just a huge reframe on everything that you'd ever sort of perceived or perhaps thought about at that. And you say, obviously, you were 18 years old. What happened? Do you remember how you felt as a child growing up in that trauma? Did you always feel like you were fighting and battling and defending yourself? Yes. Well, I had this had developed this belief or this mindset that I can only really count on myself. So when it came to a literal life or death situation, I stood up for myself. Mm, absolutely. You know, because in that moment, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have any children. Now as a mother of three, would I give the same answer? I don't know. But in that moment, I wasn't responsible for anybody except myself. And that's what you believed anyway, which is, of course, ultimately, all we have is ourselves to rely on. Um, You know, it's a horrendous thing that you went through. And it's a a sad thing to listen to, a difficult thing to listen to. Um, But thank goodness you did have the fight. But of course, your attackers weren't expecting that and didn't go and and like you say though it was probably unplanned opportunists they were young you know um because it could have gone another way even with you saying that but of course that was a huge challenge back to them and you managed to come through that but you know not unscathed of course because I think it's interesting isn't it that sometimes after someone's experienced anything traumatic like that you you sort of get back to life and you sort it out and, and and then you do have to literally carry on. And then, of course, there was that jolt when it was triggered, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and you realise this is not 
the way to respond to things. How had you been feeling before that happened, Janine, before your friend came and banged on the car? Well, it was sort of just like, okay, this happened to me and no, it wasn't great, but life goes on kind of thing. Um, until I had that response, I didn't even have the thought, okay, I should maybe go and see a professional because at that time it was a fairly common occurrence. We had a high rate, you know, crime level or crime rate. So it wasn't something that I'd never heard about or, you know, I knew that that is something that could happen in South Africa. So, and I think when you grow up and you hear things like that on the news fairly often, you think, okay, well, I, I got unlucky kind of thing, you know? So it's only when I started working with a therapist and sort of unpacking all of this that I realized what a dramatic effect trauma has on every single part of our lives, the way we parent, how we show up in relationships, you know, what, how we respond to things that happen to us and also how successful we will be. And when did you start putting those sort of links together? So as an 18 year old, obviously you were having therapy. I presume you didn't have a business at that stage, but you you were maybe working or like, where did you see that playing out and think, "Mm, yeah, I can see, because actually you're very fortunate in many ways to have had, you know, that intervention at that age and start learning from that age and building forward because, you know, you probably know in your work and I would imagine that many women you deal with, work with women don't you so many women will go years and years and years without having had any kind of therapy unless it is a particularly um, impactful situation where for instance that PTSD or things just showing up you can't get on with your life but as an 18 year old how did you feel about really sort of absorbing it how did you absorb all of that and how did that show up in your life from that point forward that realization Well, I've always been a researcher at heart. So when I started working with my therapist and making those connections, oh, that's why certain people in my life behave the way that they do, because it's a trauma response. You know, I got very interested in trauma and started reading everything that I could get my hands on to do with trauma. And I had a job already and I changed to sales and marketing, had a very successful corporate career. And it was only when I started studying psychology myself because I wanted to be a therapist, did I make a very interesting connection, this belief of being able, you know, only being able to rely on myself. It's very funny that I chose a career in sales where my livelihood was directly dependent on myself. Mm, Your performance. Yes, because I had grown up believing that love is not unconditional. It is based on performance and you have to reach certain goals. And, you know, I call myself a recovering perfectionist 
because that is that all played out in my childhood and I could then as a therapist myself see all of those connections so it was very very interesting but I knew before I became a therapist that I wanted to work with women because we are always looking out and after everyone else except ourselves if we have anything left for ourselves then we we're lucky and we then look after ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to specialize in trauma because of all of these connections that most people do not make. And of course, you know, making the connections needs a purpose as well, doesn't it? So, you know, what do you find? So in, in the work with women and what you started to do is put together all those pieces of the jigsaw. It's really interesting that you talk about your career being one of like reward you know, so you do this and you get the money. You don't do that and you're a bit of a failure. And did you see that pattern in your childhood as well? Was like that sort of conditional reward yes. pattern? Yeah. So I guess you changed, obviously you did, out of sales and marketing pretty sharpish at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I enjoyed it because I am a naturally competitive person mm. and I love seeing results when I put in effort but I did have a good chuckle about it afterwards seeing it from a therapist perspective because you know I grew up where I had to be a very high performance person um what I mean I tell the story once I had scored 98 percent in some exam and back in the day your parents had to sign the exams and my mother didn't just sign it. She wrote on there, a hundred would have been better. So that anybody who saw that could see that. It wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess you would have felt quite uh, unloved or unappreciated at that point by your mother. Well, I had always had this feeling that if you do well, you get rewarded or you get attention for that and if you don't you get the opposite of that mm. so for me being someone who wants to perform or to do well it got to the point when I became a therapist is that my true personality or have I been conditioned to be like this and of course, that's a really powerful question. If anyone starts asking that question, then the chances are probably yes. <laughs> and so it's just really figuring out in what way. So when did you start sort of making the links? You talk about um, trauma and obviously the fascination for that and how that creates obviously the, the perception, I guess, that, that women have of themselves. You talk about them women, we leave ourselves at the bottom of the pit. This is a really common conversation, um, of course, especially in the entrepreneurial world where it's not just, okay, so I'm a mom, um, I'm a wife or a partner, I'm a friend, a, a daughter, a sister, you know, whatever it is, a carer in many ways. But now I also have a business to take care of um, and that's got lots of demands on me as well. And so somehow, you know, ending up at the bottom of the list, which is why self-care is such a, big conversation and a big part of having a healthy business and a healthy life yes. but obviously looking at the sort of subjects that you cover and how you work how can working out and through your trauma help women in their business and how do all these pieces come together Janine okay so I noticed that a lot of female entrepreneurs were coming to me with what I call secondary symptoms 
the way I have normal PTSD symptoms, like I described that I had, you know, the, the heart racing, feeling like you can't breathe. But what people don't realize is that trauma is anything that the mind perceives as shocking. And often that isn't just big T trauma. Big T trauma is the thing like what happened to me, you know, or if someone has a horrific car accident where anybody, regardless if they know anything about trauma or not, would say, oh, wow, that must have been traumatic. But we dismiss small T trauma. And small T trauma is the stuff that we with our logical minds, especially as adults, dismiss things like bullying, being bullied. You know, often women will come to me and say, yeah, I was bullied for more than 10 years in my childhood, but at least I wasn't raped. You know, because they have, society teaches us to rate and compare everything in our lives. And we do it with our experiences as well. So when a woman who is maybe in her mid-30s comes to me and says, you know, I'm doing all the things, I've paid thousands for all these courses, I'm watching all the videos and the tutorials and the strategies, but when it comes to pulling the trigger, I sabotage in some way. And that's because there is a deep-rooted reason why her subconscious mind believes that taking that action is not beneficial or safe to her. You know, so if someone grows up with parents who are emotionally unavailable, they wouldn't really think that is trauma because it's not this big dramatic land on the front page of a newspaper kind of story. But that child is not emotionally equipped to deal with that and to realize, okay, it's actually not me. Maybe there's a reason why my parents behave like this and their own baggage. The child says, what is wrong with me? Why is little Susie so loved unconditionally and I'm not? There must be something wrong with me. And when we develop these beliefs that we're not worthy, that we don't deserve to be loved, that we don't deserve success, whatever that might be, we start making, that starts playing out as a pattern and we start making decisions from that place. And of course, those decisions are just going to feed more of the same and round and round. And I think, you know, ultimately, it sounds like women will end up saying, what is wrong with me? I can't I can't run a business. I can't make loads of money. I can't do what I'm trained to do. This is not working for me. It's not for me. You know, I'm not cut out for it. But how do they put the pieces together and find their way to you? Because like that, I think there's lots of, you know, lots of things where that would resonate with lots of people what you've said and they're like yeah I do do everything and and then they're thinking well maybe what what kind of trauma have I had so anything that's not easily recognizable for instance like you know big events that you talk about how can women start to think about what this might be okay so when we have this emotional wounding we tend to get triggered And that would be one of the red flags. So, for instance, I had a woman come to me and she said, I've got a wonderful marriage. I have amazing children. I'm happy in every part of my life, but I can't get my eating under control. I'm a binge eater. I cannot. 
I've bought online programs. I'm doing the tapping. Just why is this not working when I've got my shit together in every other part of my life? Okay. And I was Mm. like, okay, well, let's go and find out. And using regression hypnosis, we found the, the reason for that. When she was about five years old, her father, who was an alcoholic, in a drunken rage, attacked her mother, who was pregnant at the time. She, as a very brave five-year-old, tried to help her mother, defend her mother. And her father turned around, smacked her and said, I wish you had never been born because you are just going to amount to nothing anyway. Wow. Very traumatic. Very. So she, because she was in her mid-30s, thought, well, that happened so long ago, I'm over it, right? Her mother, trying to be a good mother, trying to comfort her after that horrific situation, took her in her arms, rocked her, stroked her hair, and said, don't worry, everything's going to be okay, and went and fetched her a chocolate. Ah. So now when she she gets triggered and we've worked out, it was specifically um, a boss that would trigger this, you're not worthy wound. Whenever she felt that emotion, she went to her go-to self-soothing response, sweets, and she would then binge on chocolates. And of course, nobody could work that out themselves. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we have people like you. <laughs> so, you know, nobody would put all those parts together. But of course, the freedom of understanding when you do, it's almost like it's that sort of liberation part. Where you're, wow. You know, that's that's a massive breakthrough, isn't it? And obviously, yeah. I'm sure that that lady had that breakthrough as well. And then, of course, then you can start to change it because you understand the pattern of it. But, you know, trying to connect all those parts yourself, you'd be there all day, just wouldn't know where to start. So do you find that women kind of come to you with with those kinds of things quite common or do they do they come with their business problems as well? Do they I mean, because we're quite aware these days, I think it's we do know that there's a lot of inner work to be done, especially coaches um, very much aware of like the strategy and the therapy and the soul mixing all those things together. So how, how do you find that kind of stream of, of, of clients and how can you help those business women? Okay. So women usually get referred to me by someone who knows what I do and they're like, are you doing all the things and nothing's working? I know who you need to go see. <laughs> referrals great great avenue for business of course (laughs) and that's usually how the call starts I've I've I'm doing everything that everyone's telling me to do but it's not working and I heard you're the woman to see when it's not working and I'm like okay so tell me what's not working Yeah, so obviously your reputation precedes you and that's great. Um, how do women respond when they start to realize that there is more than they're aware of? Like how how do you how do you sort of manage that? Are they surprised? A lot of them are extremely grateful mm. because the women that come to see me are the women who want that success. They know within themselves that they are meant for more. They know that they have a purpose 
and that they want to bring their skills to the world to create that impact. So a lot of women that I work with are therapists, coaches, healers, change makers of some kind with this greater vision. And because they know that that's their purpose, sometimes they'll come to me and say, I'm, I'm, I know I'm supposed to have a mentor. I'm meant to have a purpose. I just don't quite know how or where. So I will then help them discover what that is and, you know, what their superpowers are, as I call them things that are so easy for them that they actually don't even consider it because they think that your purpose is supposed to be difficult and it's supposed to be hard. It's like, no. And big. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. The reason and of course, it's, it's interesting because there was a clubhouse talk that I did on purpose, finding your purpose. And it was really interesting listening to the, the women in there always thinking that it's got to be some it's quite a big word really isn't it because it suggests that it's your ultimate reason for being um you know and I always talk a little bit more about you know being purposeful all the time rather rather than having the big purpose if you can't find it but it doesn't have to be this massive thing um and it's really interesting how all the kind of parts link together and of course you're talking about that the breed of people like coaches change makers therapists have what I would say a lot of other people don't, which is awareness. So having some awareness in the first place to seek out somebody like you, to even seek out any kind of coach, there's an awareness that there's something here that I can't do by myself. I need someone else's eyes, someone else's perspective. You've mentioned perspective a few times. And of course that is what changes everything. So I'm assuming that, you know, um, well, let me ask this first. So how do you work with them? What what kind of magic do you have? <laughs> so first I would ask them, you know, what is it that you really want in life? Because success and happiness are so personal. You know, what I consider to be success and happiness could be the exact opposite for you. So I always determine what is their idea of success and happiness and what do they want to get from it and then once we've established that I will say to them okay what do you think has been holding you back from doing this because we live in an age where you can find just about anything you know if you want to know how to set up an email sequence there are millions of YouTube videos that you can watch for free to do it you know um because the work that they want to do isn't based on just a strategy. It's on that inner war with themselves and why they don't allow themselves to take certain actions. You know, for instance, being visible in their business, that's one that comes up so much. Or, you know, they can make money, but they can't save it. As soon as they make money, they have to spend it kind of thing because they believe that they're not worthy of having a lot of money. So they have to get rid of it. You know, all of these things, seeing which areas in their life they need that help with. And then from there, I create a plan for them and say, okay, what would change your life the most? That's where we start. And then we work on all of these things. And I have solutions which is just for the the mindset and therapy most of the women then want the business help as well 
you know, they want to be able to show up in their businesses to create this impact, but not be chained to their desk for 16 hours a day. This is the thing. This is the yeah. thing, isn't it? And of course, you know, you've mentioned mindset, which is a, a, an incredibly, you know, I call it, it, it's people's superpower. You know, we don't realize it, it's, yeah. it's kind of a small word and a massive word all at once. There's lots of things behind it, but and like you also alluded to simplicity. It's like that sometimes these things can be so simple, but yeah. we overcomplicate everything. And of course, I guess when you look back and you unpack things and you look at why, you can see how these like layers of complication have been created. And especially in our industry, there's so much noise. There's so many things. Do this, do that, do the other. It's this, yes. it's that, it's that, it's this. And so sometimes you just really need to kind of go back to the core of you, don't you? That's what I'm hearing you say. It's like, go back to the core of you, what you want, what's going to make you happy rather than um, fighting with strategy all the time and then looking for, for new. Because, I mean, I hear that a lot as well as a business coach. I've done so many courses. I've done, I'm always reading things. I'm always, you know, I have a client who just completely absorbs and hoovers content, right, real quick. So what when it takes me two or three weeks to read a book, maybe longer in between everything. She'll say, I've read it, I've read it. And I'm like, yes, but have you actually absorbed it? And what are you doing to implement it? So there's too much of that kind of consumption, not enough of the implementation. Add in everything yes. you're talking about and you've got some serious blocks there in terms of getting forward. So, you know, let's talk a little bit just for a minute about hypnotherapy. Okay. Because I think, you know, that's an interesting thing where people sometimes wonder if they've never experienced it. What is that? Oh, I don't know if I want to be hypnotized or what is hypnotherapy? Is it something, you know, is, is it OK for me to be hypnotized? Let's just explain a little bit about hypnosis, because, again, I think that's potentially more simple than people think. Yeah. Well, first of all, it is not mind control, you know. Thank you, Las Vegas, for <laughs> perpetuating this idea for decades that we make people cluck like chickens and make them give us their online banking details. You know, if if that was true, everyone would want to be a hypnotherapist because they'd be scamming people into buying them Porsches for their birthday. And so it's actually very scientific. We are working with the subconscious mind and when you think of the subconscious mind you can imagine this giant vault and all of your memories all of the things you've experienced are there in files and when i'm looking for a specific reason or root cause why something is the way it is and we put your logical mind the part that tells you what are you going to wear today what are you going to have for lunch you know, are you going to have a bath and read your book or are you going to watch something on Netflix? We put that part of the brain to sleep and we deal with the subconscious mind, which is the keeper of your memories and your experiences and your emotions, right? Because I always tell people, and you can imagine as a trauma specialist, I hear the worst of the worst stories. It doesn't matter what happens to your body. Broken bones heal, wounds heal. Want we need to process is the emotions that your subconscious mind has attached to events. Because when these emotions have not been dealt with and processed in a healthy way, they are lying there like a big gaping wound. And anyone that comes in, puts their finger on there and triggers you, you have a reaction. Because the part of the brain that deals with trauma can't tell time. 
So it's almost like this is now, this is happening right now. And this is interesting because you hear people say, oh, I got so triggered by X, Y, Z. And then someone else say, oh, that wouldn't bother me. And they seem like such superficial things. But when you describe it and give it that kind of like metaphor of that open wound there, and then someone's like, you know, chomping at your open wound all the time, you're going to react. But of course, in business and in life, these things, these triggers show in quite unusual ways sometimes that are difficult for people to understand and they end up thinking I must just be a bit nuts or something I don't know why I'm overreacting to this etc etc or they mm. get labeled as being oversensitive why do you have to be so sensitive about everything is that so is that that's interesting Mm. isn't it because you sort of hear that time and again oh they're so sensitive Um, and it's always said a little bit as a criticism yeah just just toughen up stop being so sensitive so would you say that sensitive type people obviously there's not always but there's some attachments there with obviously what's why they're so sensitive it's a different use of the language isn't it yes so we all react to things differently you know and there's so many factors that play a role in that you know if you had a perfect childhood and something awful awful happens to you you might have a bigger reaction to someone where it's like Oh, just another day. They're mm. so used to that. They're so familiar with that. And, you know, then the personality comes into play as well. Empaths will have a bigger reaction because that is a part of their personality. So I really find it offensive when people try to shame other people for having a reaction. Mm. There's a reason why people have a reaction to something. And when you notice you're having a reaction, you're being triggered, that's where the self-awareness comes in. And you have to ask yourself, okay, why did I react like this? Why is this, why does this feel like such a big deal to me? And then when you break it down, it's like, okay, every time that someone makes me feel that I'm not good enough, I have this huge reaction. Why is that? And that's when you come to someone like me and I then help you to figure it out. And to help you process that. Because the younger we are, when we have these traumatic experiences, whether it's big T trauma or little T trauma, the more difficult it is for us to process it because children are not equipped to deal with stuff like that. You know, and it doesn't go away. That is why it shows up later in life when you are more equipped, where it's like, hey, um, when you've got time, I've got something here. There's this little pile here that I would love for you to deal with, you know. And it's Um, interesting how, excuse me, those translations come forward into other things. It's like Chinese whispers, isn't it, within within your life? And then, and so, you know, I think it's super powerful work. And I, I find it interesting that, you know, people view business as separate and then life as separate and then the well-being as separate. And of course, you know, in business, we're looking for certain categories for various things and give give us some direction, of course. But we are all one piece, right? We're all one piece. We're our business. We're our life. We're, we're the woman. We're all of those hats. And to be able to put it all together and for people to be able to then achieve, you know, what kind of results have you seen? You know, because that must be really rewarding to sort of see people I mean literally I think you know we're talking freedom here not just success but freedom from those those patterns and those shackles that build up over uh, so much time 
The thing that I love most about doing this work is someone will come to me and say, you know, I have visibility issues in my business. That's what I want to deal with. And once we've dealt with that, all of a sudden they become more visible in all areas of their life, in their relationships. All of a sudden they can speak up and make their needs known. They can start, you know, putting boundaries in place with certain family members where before they didn't dare to. Because it's like, no, I just want to fade into the background. I don't want to draw any attention to myself. And all of a sudden, it's as if they have their voice back and they can speak their truth. So, yes, you might come to me for an issue that's showing up in your business. But once we deal with it, you're going to see the advantages of that in every area of your life. That's amazing. And I'm sure there's lots of of women listening to this podcast that will think, wow, that's so super interesting. Some may have more awareness around what these things might be um, than others. So, you know, how can people get in contact with you, Janine? Okay, so my website is janineworth.com, worth with an I, not an O. And on Instagram, I'm therapist underscore Janine Worth. So just reach out to me. And, you know, I offer a free 30 minute consultation where people can see um, if we're a good fit. And if I feel we're a good fit, because I'm also fairly picky (laughs) of of choosing who I want to work with, you know, um, then I will suggest, you know, make a recommendation on what I think is necessary. Um, I always find it interesting that you know, people say, well, isn't this work, you know, doesn't it drain you or I'm like, no, I have never had a bad day at work since I've started doing this work. And they're like, what? I'm like, I am very picky who I work with. So when I open my calendar, it's all my favorite people. And the work that I do makes such a difference in their businesses, their personal lives, their relationships. How is it possible to have a bad day knowing that when I show up and do my part, this positive impact happens. How can I then have a bad day? And uh, that is something that I, that is like the main thing in my business is I will never have a bad day. I think people are possibly thinking when they ask that question oh my goodness you must hear a lot of depressing stuff all day (laughs) but of Mm. course you know as a therapist and as a coach you know we're not 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 interested but the context doesn't matter it's the rest of it but I guess on the surface people might think wow that's a that's a lot of trauma that's a lot of bad things you're hearing but of course you know you're not absorbing those and that's not the work so you know everybody is is gearing towards you know a business where they love what they're doing every day and having the right clients so I think it's really important that you you mention that because the the finer you are in your art and your craft and your niche you're going to have people that match it, but it's equally important that if it's not a good fit, not to go forward with it. And I think that's the real sort of ethical piece around, you know, coaching and therapy as well, which I always talk about just even the reason that this podcast exists is around, you know, ethics and standards um, because a lot of people can be trained in a lot of things, 
but that doesn't really mean that they are executing or holding those standards or, or holding themselves accountable to them as well. So it's, it's really good to hear that. And I mean, I've really enjoyed the conversation. We could talk for hours about this, this kind of thing. And I'm sure people would, will want to uh, find out more. So hopefully, you know, go and connect with Janine. But what's the last thing that you would leave our listeners with in terms of if they're thinking, oh, this is interesting. Like what question could they ask themselves to just raise a bit of awareness around whether this is something relevant for them or not? So when you look at your life, you can identify whether your life feels easy or whether it feels difficult. Because when you have these emotional wounds or this emotional baggage, you are literally in a war with your own mind every single day. And that does not feel easy. It, does, it doesn't feel light. It doesn't feel cheerful and happy. It feels hard. It feels like everything is a mission. When you feel like that, that is the time to sort of ask yourself, okay, this is the time where I can go and see someone so that life becomes easy. Life should feel easy. You know, this is it. And I think, you know, again, really simply put, does your life feel easy or hard? People will know that answer straight away. You know, yeah, yeah. it feels easy or hard or somewhere in the middle. OK, so that's probably going to be the general piece. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But how great would it be if it just felt easy all the time? People don't believe that that exists. I think that's half the problem as well. They don't actually believe that that easy, easy life <laughs> exists. And that doesn't mean like easy streets, but it's like, really, should it be so hard? So right. surely going back and, and, you know, healing the emotional wounds, um, you know, and it's not, you know, people criticize trauma sometimes, don't they? Things like that and therapy and they're like, oh, you don't want to go back over all of that and you don't want to be opening up yeah. all the old wounds. I mean, you probably hear that kind of stuff, but yes. it's not so much opening up and digging them through. It's really healing them, isn't it? And when you can do that, you can really move forward and yeah. make life easier. It sounds good to me. I don't know about you. It sounds good to me. <laughs> You know, especially the mothers or women that want to be mothers, I always tell them it's whatever happened to you is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal so that your children can have a childhood they don't need to recover from. Exactly. And that is a super powerful point to finish on because everything here is like generational, isn't it? You're talking at the beginning of your story about how as a young child you had that impact of the trauma there then you had your the last thing you want to do is like somehow you know unwittingly unintentionally map it forward into the lives of our children and generations future so it's about change isn't it like yeah. changing to do the work ourselves so that we can change and leave different kinds of legacies not just financial legacies and things like that but really impactful um emotional legacies it's very difficult to be a calm, loving parent if you are triggered every single day of your life. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and this is this is the thing. There's a difference between general mum stress and stuff and life and then all those triggers going on. So it's a great question to ask. Um, is your life easy or is it hard? And where do you feel that you get triggered the most? and then yeah. go from there really so thank you Janine it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the podcast I've really enjoyed it and I hope that the listeners get a huge amount of value and thank you so much for sharing your story which you know what no matter how many times you tell that 
you know, it's still graphic. It's still, you know, not that it's still traumatic for you, but it, you know, it needs acknowledging. So thank you for sharing that with us and being here today on the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for providing a platform where we can share these stories and ideas and hopefully inspire people because I believe that people find their healers and their mentors. The teacher shows up when the student is ready. So, so true. Um, And thank you. I'll speak to you very soon again, Janine. Thanks so much. Thanks. You can read Coach Magazine for free online every quarter. Just subscribe at coach-magazine.com and receive it direct to your inbox. You can order print copies, book a directory listing, find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. 